You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. If you are a pastor or a church member, this is a podcast you will not want to miss. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines Metro, coming back to you with another Cornfield Theology podcast. And uh, thanks for listening in, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it could be uh, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and the other 50 ways you can listen to a podcast these days. Uh, thanks for taking interest. And uh, not coming to you from the cornfields, usually come from my f- my home office, which literally is surrounded by a cornfield. I guess it's flanked by a tree line and a soybean field, but it's in the country. We can legitimately call this podcast Cornfield Theology. But today I'm in the suburbs. I'm in West Des Moines meeting a friend halfway to talk about a ministry that I am really excited about. It's come to the state of Iowa and uh, coming um, with me this morning is Ashley Baker. Ashley, how you doing? Great. How are you, Sean? I'm fantastic. I'm feeling good. Like I was just saying to you, I was sick last week. Now I'm like, I'm feeling good today. Feel great yesterday. Had a great uh, worship on Sunday. So praise the Lord. God is good. On the come up. What's that? You're on the come up. On the come up. It's it's exactly. And I'm drinking coffee again. I think I was just (laughs) saying to you a few moments ago, like I wasn't drinking coffee. And then I'm like, my precious, (laughs) which by the way, that's, that comes to mind because when I was sick, it was like the Lord of the Rings marathon at my house. There you go. And we homeschool. And so like my kids are like, mom, come on. He's watching Lord of the Rings. You want us to do schoolwork? So the kids joined in on the marathon. So that's awesome. little Lord of the Rings day. But we're not here to talk about Lord of the Rings. That could be another podcast. But we're here to talk about Together for Good. And you help lead the way in the state of Iowa. Uh, this particular ministry has just come to the state of Iowa. Yes, sir. It has. It's been in the making for what seems like two and a half, three years. Yeah. Um, but it's it's being launched, and we're so here. we're here to kind of plug the ministry. Um, this is something I like to do every now and then. We take we do take on controversial topics. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about anything on this particular podcast. But from time to time, I like to highlight ministries. We've highlighted um, Covenant Mercies Ministries, which is like an orphan care ministry yeah. um, overseas. And now we're going to do together for good. So before we get into the ministry itself, can you give us a bio? Who are you? Who's Ashley Baker? <laughs> Where, where have you been? Are you, are you an Iowan? Do you have the, the native sticker or the captive sticker on your car? Well, we have great debate in our household over what qualifies as native. So oh. I was born here. My husband was born in Nebraska. Oh, he's I not native. I was in Illinois from ages 5 to 18, and I've been back ever since. So I qualify Iowa's home okay. uh, just because this is where my family's from. This has just uh, been home for me. Uh, Greg moved here when he was seven. So we debate what what qualifies you as native. We think together we form one native Iowan. Uh, okay. But, uh, yes. I think you're cheating. <laughs> He's from be. Nebraska. He's from Nebraska. But I he know. went to Iowa, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, he moved to Iowa when he was seven. He went to University of Iowa. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I was born here, born in uh, rural Iowa, about an okay. hour away from Des Moines. Um, okay. And my family's here. We've always had our okay. holidays here. Um, my parent, my dad got transferred to Illinois when I was five. So I grew up uh, in uh, Illinois for school age. And then I came to Drake University for okay. uh, school. I accepted Christ at Drake University in 2008. Oh, great. Uh, through Walnut Creek Church and their campus ministry. And yeah. I've been at Walnut Creek Church ever since. Oh, so that's going great. on 14 years knowing Jesus and uh, being a member at Walnut Creek Church here. And how long have you been married to Greg? 
We are going on 10 years. 10 years. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love asking people how long they've been married. I love celebrating you know, <laughs> marriages that are thriving and growing and loving. Yes. Um, I know your husband. Your husband's yes. part of the Church Ambassador Network. He is. And uh, I got to know Greg. This is actually a good segue into introducing Together for Good. Yeah. Um, I got to know Greg because someone emailed me or called me like, hey, do you want to go to the Capitol? And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I, can't, I was in Minnesota for 13 years. There was no... Uh, network or organization at that time that introduced pastors to their legislators. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is different. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah. And so I met Greg and Leo and, um, you know, I pray with some of the representatives that are in my area and uh, he, we're walking out and he's, he's like, do you, do you know Meridel? And I'm like, <laughs> Meridel Sandberg? I'm like, yeah, I know her. Do you ever heard of Together for Good? And I'm just like, well, yeah, of course I have. I, I In Minnesota, um, I was a pastor of a church um, in the Twin Cities, and we we were partnering with Safe Families at the time. Mm-hmm. And then while I was a pastor in the Twin Cities, they segued into Together for Good. There's yes. reasons for that we don't need to get into. Yeah. But um, I'm like, yeah, I've done the training. We've hosted the training. I've, you know, we've, I know the people who are associated who work with Together for Good. So yeah. it was a really sweet connection. And so I got to go to some subsequent meetings when Meridol came down, got, yeah. kind of pitched the idea. And so it's beyond a pitch now it and is. we're here. So how did, in, in short, how did Together for Good make its start here in the state of Iowa? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, as you said, Greg brings pastors to meet with elected officials. Part of that is also our executive branch. Yep. Greg had been meeting with pastors with Lieutenant Governor Kim Reynolds at the time. They already had a meeting set with her when she became governor after mm. Terry Branstad became ambassador to China. Yep. And so they kept that meeting. Governor Reynolds kept the meeting and it was her, I think, second week in office as governor and two children died in our state's foster care system. Mm -hmm. So obviously that hung over that meeting. That was that was the topic. And it's heavy. um, Yeah. So heavy on her heart, heavy on the pastor's heart. They talked with her, prayed with her, but they walked away thinking we need to keep praying. But where is the church in this? What is the church's role in this crisis, in this foster care crisis that's in the whole country? Um, so Greg and some pastors met with the uh, DHS director at the time mm-hmm. then and said, uh, what, what's the need? What do you, I mean, obviously every state always needs more foster parents. What, what do you want the church to do? Right. And um, at the time the DHS director was Jerry Foxhoven. Jerry said, nobody is working in the preventative realm. Nobody is working upstream before kids are abused or neglected. And that's a key, key uh, understanding there. Uh, upstream from the foster care system. Yes. That's going to help us understand together for good here in a moment. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we believe that the church is uniquely equipped to come in ahead of this and try to help families um, while it's more possible for them to be preserved, while they're in a better spot to get on their feet um, and really um, come together. And so, yeah, we really think that this is the perfect way for the church to come in. And so after meeting with Jerry, Greg began the research of trying to find the right organization to come in and do this. We went up and we met with Maridel in St. Paul and uh, she is amazing. It doesn't take more than 10 seconds to get hooked on the mission talking to Maridel. Oh man. Uh, So that was a huge blessing and just really set our hearts on fire. And she came and visited Iowa a couple of times and she just wasn't sure if she was ready to expand to another state, um, really pumping the brakes there. But she called back and said, the Lord will not leave me alone about this. Like he wants me in Iowa. That's big. You want to know why? Because that? Minnesotans have this disdain for Iowa. <laughs> and I know this. As, as one who's a native Iowan, I got the native sticker. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I lived in Twin Cities for 13 years. And the okay. moment I moved up there, I heard every Iowa joke under oh, no. the sun. <laughs> What's the best thing coming out of Iowa? What? Interstate 35. Oh. <laughs> what does Iowa stand for? Idiots out wandering around. Yep. You hear that one? Yeah. Yep. And I, it's like, I, there was this other joke. It's like, Iowa's the only state where you can let your dog out for three days and you can still see him run away. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I reflected on that the other day. This has nothing to do with the point because I was driving, you know, um, going one place to another and I'm like, man, I can see for three miles. <laughs> That's pretty true. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> anyway. So, so the point being the fact that it wouldn't, it had to be a God thing. Yep. And so the Lord laid it upon Maridel's heart. She moved on this and then what? Yeah, Marydale called and we began meetings, broke, uh, began bringing Marydale down to meet with pastors, meet yep. with anyone who was interested in the area down here in central Iowa. We saw so much interest. We just saw that God had primed his church for this. Yeah, indeed. And so began identifying that need. Uh, churches bought in, uh, 13 churches came together to raise the funds, give the funds for three years to give us the foundation we needed to launch to be able to make those initial hires. Yep. Marydale put out those job descriptions for... At the time, a case manager and a director. Um, I had applied and uh, multiple people had applied. I'd applied to be the director ever since I just fell in love with the mission meeting Marydell. And then we had uh, someone who was beyond qualified and amazing gift apply for that case manager. She's our program director, apply for that position and everything. I mean, we just felt the Lord bringing it together. We've been so blessed by his provision. Mm, That's good. And so what is your specific title? Absolutely. I am the Iowa director. Iowa director. Yes. And then Sarah's our program director. We're the two current staff here in Iowa. Great. And we'll talk about future needs at the end of the podcast, but those were two immediate needs Mm -hmm. in order just to get this thing off the ground that the Lord met with not only people, but resources, financial resources to help meet those needs. Yes. So that is when when you, when you just kind of see that coming together, like as a church planner, when we planted a church a little over three years ago, you're just like, how is this going to happen? <laughs> yes. Because I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. God does it. Absolutely. And that's what he did with Together for Good. Completely. So you mentioned the mission or vision statement. Could you just lay that out? What is the vision uh, or mission statement, depending on what you know angle you want to take it, um, of Together for Good? How would you just encapsulate that? If I'm like the elevator speech, I work for Together for Good. Oh, what's that? Absolutely. Together for Good exists to uh, create pathways for the local church to come alongside vulnerable children and families in Christ-centered ministry. Mm. Essentially, we're in the business of family preservation. We want to come alongside families before they've gotten to that point of abuse or neglect, before they've gotten to the point where foster care is necessary, and see what we can do to help, see if we can help get them on their feet by Mm. providing them Um, any number of resources, an advocate to come alongside and meet with them and talk about their goals and what they need, someone to host their children temporarily while they have surgery or get treatment they might need, anything that we can come alongside. If we've got the volunteers for it, we're going to try to help. Yeah. And what I love, not only about the ministry, but the mission statement, it's church centered. Absolutely. There's a lot of great organizations out there doing great work. Yeah. Um, I would not dismiss an organization that's not distinctly Christian, but doing good things, you know? Yeah. Um, but the fact that this is focused on the local church, mm-hmm. I mean, you can just do, go through scripture and just see how this maps on so well, in mm-hmm. particular, a care for the vulnerable, um, the fatherless and the widow in particular are constantly highlighted throughout yeah. all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. And that's where the church needs to step in and be the church. Absolutely. And stop 
stop abrogating our responsibility mm-hmm. to another organization, to government, not, not a knock against government. I'm just talking about what the church is supposed to do. Yeah, we were called to this. So question, why aren't churches doing it? I know that we're kind of, you know, you know, kind of just thinking out loud here, but it seems to me the church has not done this as well as it could have. Sure. You got any reasons why? If I'm going to paint the church broadly with a broad brush, yeah. I'm going to say that we honestly just don't know how to reach these people. We don't know mm-hmm. how to form these connections as the church. We have thousands of saints even just in central Iowa that want to help. They have a deep desire to help. They understand their calling, but how often are they interacting with families in this level of need? These families are not likely to step foot in a church. Either they've never even thought of stepping in a church or they are scared they're going to be judged or afraid of what's going to happen. Mostly these families in need are hiding because they're scared if someone finds out that they're hurting, that someone's going to take their kids. Right. And so they're hiding and the church really doesn't have a ton of room. Some churches obviously have different ministries that have helped build those connections, but broadly the church doesn't know how to connect with these families. And that's where we step in to try to create those pathways to get, get them connected. So I think it's a great response because this map on with my experience as well. It's not out of desire to help. It's just like, what do I do? Where do I even begin to help? the fatherless to help the single mom who's just trying to pay her next you know bill yeah the electric bill to keep the lights on and together for good like you think you use the word pathways or avenues Mm -hmm. that i can come and be like okay i want to help and you go like okay i'm going to tell you how you can help and i'm going to show you how you can help absolutely that is so needed and so helpful because it's not we don't want to say that the church doesn't care church does care yeah the question is what and together for good is, is putting that together in a very tangible way. Yeah. And I think today's church we're seeing, especially in Iowa, I've seen um, a groundswell of this is maybe a returning to that care. I think the church is trying to really mm-hmm. hard to strike a balance between standing firm on truth, but still caring about these um, least of these or caring about vulnerable families. There was a time when the church maybe got so focused on one side of that coin that yeah. they, they said, well, we need to focus on this and we're going to neglect this a little bit. And that's when the state started taking on so much Mm -hmm. of the burden of our orphans and our widows. I think the church is really trying to take that back, but it's been gone long enough. It's a little bit hard to figure out how to do it. Yeah. The challenge we run into in these dynamics um, are extremes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm all about truth, truth, truth. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, get off your butt and go do something with with the truth. Yeah. And then you have, and I'm not going to delve into the debate, but just to make the point, we have the social justice movement, yep. you know, and th- we got a whole podcast on that that I can reference you to. But the really, the, the really, the thing is this: if you love the truth of God's word, you will go and do. That's the bottom line. Absolutely, we will pursue biblical justice. We will pursue biblical care. Mm-hmm. That is what God has called us to. So, is mapping the truth on with with works. Yep, absolutely. And That's so what God calls us to. We're not going to go to the extremes. You mm-hmm. know, we're not going to sit home and eat my bonbons and drink my you know black coffee, <laughs> and watch you know Monday Night Football. But we're actually going to go out and and make a difference for yes. the sake of Christ and for His kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then we're not going to go to the opposite extreme, which is, you know, I'm going to do all the all the good things absent of the gospel, absent of, of truth, then at that point, you just become eff- effectively another government agency or nonprofit, right? Yeah, we're missing the point, you know, if we get to that extreme. I understand how, how that can happen. Sure, sure. Um, but really, w- at the end of the day, if we fix a family's momentary crisis, but we don't affect them for eternity, what have we really left them with? Mm-hmm. 
it's they're no better off than when they came to us at that point. Yeah. Um, they need that relationship with Jesus. They need to know their Savior. If we're missing that point, we're missing everything. That's right. I, I akin this to um, when I when I've taken people overseas to do like international mission trips, mm-hmm. and then there's there's such a high emphasis on what can we do. Yeah. And it's like that's great. I love the heart of doing, but again, we want to marry the gospel with our doing. Yes. We can't miss the spiritual and the physical realities. Yes. Um, scripture doesn't paint extremes. Neither should we. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which leads me just to a couple of texts. Um, I was looking at the Together for Good um, website yesterday. Yeah. And this, you know, we've talked about doing good, seek justice, correct oppression, kind of these these three particular virtues that come toward caring for families. Yeah. And so uh, let's let's map on some biblical texts because I think that's important. We're Christians. We come from, you know, local churches. Yeah. And we love God's word. So it says this in Isaiah 1, 17. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, uh, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And then a little longer text from Isaiah 58. It is not this, uh, the fast that I choose. I loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the strap of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? That's what we're called to do, to share our bread with the hungry and to bring homeless and poor into your house. There's the doing there. This is what yeah. God's calling his people to do. Mm-hmm. You're, you're called to care for those who are in most need. And when you see the naked, cover him and do not hide yourself from your own flesh. So there's a, a, there's a literal call in Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7, um, to care for those who are most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So we're not, we're not going extremes. We're actually being very biblical here. Absolutely. Describe for me what a typical family. So there's like an intake process with Together for Good. There is. What is a, I don't want to say typical family, but what are, what are some patterns that you see in terms of people who come through the intake process? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's not a typical family. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to see all all ends of the spectrum on this. Um, Our first hosting is coming up in a week. We've got a mom um, with, I'm I'm not 100% sure if they're married, but the father's, the father of the children is involved. They have three kiddos. She is about to have her fourth. Hmm. They don't have anyone stable in their life to care for those three kiddos while she's in the hospital. Hmm. And so we have a trained host family that's going to watch those three kiddos. And I think that's the thing you're going to see in common with any family that we're serving is a lack of stable support. Um, Many of these families, whether or not, you know, they're trying their best, they're making do, um, they're providing care for their children, but they're, they're just having a hard time all the way to someone who is, um, a rampant drug user right. is simply whatever the circumstances in their life have caused it. They don't have stable support. Maybe their families themselves are drug users or not present. A lot of these families maybe grew up in foster care themselves. No one ever even showed them, modeled for them how to be a godly parent, um, how to be a healthy parent. So many of these things, and they don't have that support because they're not part of a local church. And we know as yeah. Christians that yeah. that is key to everything. I'm not sure how I'd make it day to day without my local church. Yeah. Right. And that support that I get from my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we see these families that their own families aren't stable or they simply have no family. Um, they don't have a group of other moms, other people pouring into their lives. They're just they're missing that huge fellowship piece. And a major part of what we see is that that so- social isolation is what is harming these families. There's mm-hmm. nobody to come alongside. There's nobody to encourage them, let alone actually provide substantive help to them. Yeah. 
I want to talk about in very specific detail how local churches can be active. You know, we talked about why people they have a desire, but they don't know what to do. We'll talk about the what here in a moment. Up to this point, what have been what have been some of the biggest challenges or barriers that you've had to overcome, or, or together for good in Iowa's had to overcome, and to and to get this ministry kind of off the ground? Hmm. I would say God has been so gracious to us. He's provided so many partners. I think it's just that slow work. Anyone who's been part of a church, especially yeah. in a leadership role, knows sometimes things move slowly because yeah. um, people are complicated. People have busy schedules. People mm-hmm. have a lot going on, especially churches, um, especially pastors. You're hearing different ideas, different ministries, different ways to help every single day, sifting yeah. through that and trying to see if Together for Good belongs at the top of the pile on right. that front burner, you know, and right. I think that's been the big thing is just being consistent with churches and helping them see we're get, we're getting ready for our first hosting. We'll have some results to share. We've had our Minnesota results from our oh, yeah. um, national organization, but obviously here in Iowa, we're just getting started. And so we've had excellent buy-in from a couple dozen churches that we've just seen great success with. And I think once we have those results pouring in, we have those consistent stories to share. That's going to speak to a lot of more churches. But yeah. I think that's the hard thing is there's a million opportunities out there. There is. Convincing someone why is Together for Good different. Or why does this deserve my time, my attention, my congregation's attention mm-hmm. is a big leap for, for churches. Yeah, it is. And as one who's a pastor, I totally get that. Yeah. It's uh, getting a couple of emails a week about yeah. this, that, and the other thing to, to care. And then it's like, oh, this is good. But you really got to narrow, you know, as a church leader, because you can't do everything. Yep. And once we get in the door, once we're able to have that conversation, we can share about the professional staff at Together for Good and the part we take on. And then within our churches, we ask them to appoint a ministry coordinator. This can be someone on staff with the church or a volunteer, but that person is the liaison. That's the person getting my emails because they Mm -hmm. have that passionate um, pursuit of this widow and orphan care. They're the ones that want to get my emails. They want to be updated. And they're the ones I'm communicating. Hey, you've got four active families in your church or whatever that looks like and get that off the pastor's plate. But we have to get through the door first. So I have a lot of friends who will listen. They're from all over the country. Yeah. You know, and they're hearing about Iowa. You don't got these kind of problems in Iowa, do you? (laughs) Like they live in more urban areas. You know, think Philly, New York, LA, et cetera. What is it? What is it about Iowa where this problem does exist, and that we need to pay careful attention to pre-foster care ministries? How Absolutely. do how do we dismiss the perception that like this is like an isolated thing just to urban centers? The last time the statistics were drawn up was 2017, I believe. But in 2017, Iowa was sixth in the nation per capita for foster care kids. Hmm. Um, we have an immense amount of children in foster care in Iowa. A large part of that is. You're going to see drug problems in the Midwest. You don't see other places. You certainly do, especially um, meth. Especially you know, meth. You know, rural. I live in rural Iowa, and man, it's an issue. It just ravages these communities. It's mm-hmm. going to look vastly different because of that. That's I, a big problem that we're going to face. Obviously, we also have our larger cities, and you're going to see that anywhere. I think sin is sin everywhere. Anywhere there's people, there's going to be sin. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hurting families. Um, it might be less volume of people but really per capita i was no different than anywhere else yeah and i'm, I'm glad you brought up um the relevant and theological issue of sin mm-hmm. uh, because it is everywhere 
Yeah. Uh, I hold to a doctrine of total depravity. Yes. And uh, we are born in this world sin- as sinners, and this is a sinful, broken world that God mm-hmm. is redeeming. He is yes. at work. But he does that through the church. Yeah. He does that uh, through saved sinners yep. to extend grace and mercy and patience to those who are struggling, whether it be circumstance or their own sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to bear that in mind. We can't lose that theology. Our, our theology helps us to understand how to approach a problem. Absolutely. And we're also going to see, I think, a difference in Iowa and how we deal with these things. One of the really important pieces that uh, my boss, Mary Dell, talks a lot about is in in the United States, we have a lot of the same problems that you see around the world and that you mm-hmm. see in the Bible. But in America, we've created systems to hide hurting people. That's a really good point. And especially in the Midwest, you're going to run into a lot of what's called toxic charity when helping hurts. Mm-hmm. You're going to run into people are going to write check after check. They're going to do whatever they can because they genuinely want to help people. Yeah. But we don't necessarily, we kind of stay within our fence in the Midwest pretty well, right. uh, especially in Iowa. It's hard to know when to cross those. It's hard to have the help to know when to intervene, how to intervene. You're going to see a lot more of that here as opposed to just... Um, shelters or things that you might see in bigger cities you're going to see a lot of people writing a check to try to help but not actually getting at the root problem and that's why together for good is so important which by the way if you want to write a check to together for good feel free (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're not we're not going to turn that away but but the point you're making is actually really good we're we're moving removing the systems that that's like the band-aid over the wound yeah and we're saying you know what we're gonna we're gonna apply a remedy directly to the wound Mm mm-hmm uh, to the wound, excuse me. And um, it, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. And it's us acting like many Christ in many respects. Yes. We're acting as God's ambassadors here on earth to care for those who are in most need. Yes. And oftentimes, as you said, the systems mask the problem. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, nope, we're going right toward the problem. We're, we're, we're running into the problem yep. because we care. Yeah. And, and part of, you know, um, be, the reason our theme verse, one of the reasons uh, is Isaiah 117 is learn to do good. Yeah. As Christ's body, let us learn to do good together. We only see the system. We see, uh, we don't see these families that are hurting. We're not comfortable with the system. We don't understand the system. Right. Oftentimes we're going to have a mentality of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And there are cases where that is what's needed. But a lot of times as the church, we don't really know what a family is facing. We haven't been through foster care. We haven't been through social welfare programs. We're not sure what the circumstances or systems are that might be trapping some of these families. And so we just kind of paint with a broad brush. And so Mm -hmm. part of Together for Good and the beauty that comes to benefit the church is learning to understand hurt better, learning to see past these systems and learn how we can really help and see people as image bearers and see how we can come alongside them instead of just as a statistic. That's exactly right. I mean, image bearers, I mean, going back to Genesis 1, 26, 27, that is so important Mm -hmm. in terms of a kind of a baseline understanding of humanity and how to understand people. Uh, we we tend to look right at the problem. Look at look what you look what you're doing, yep. and forget that person. Whatever they're doing is actually still an image bearer of God. Yes, a Christian or non Christian too, by the way. Yep. They God created them yes. in His image. Yes. Like that's a massive theological point that we have to have within our theological framework in order in order to care well for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't often either because we're not able or because we don't see them or because we have our own prejudices, we don't get close enough relationally for some yeah. of these people to even be able to hear the gospel from us. Right. And that's what our goal is with Together for Good. And the way to strip away a prejudice 
is to go back to Genesis 1, 26, 27, mm-hmm. and remember that God created all people. Mm-hmm. How many? All people. All means all. <laughs> in his image. Yes. And uh, that's really, that's been helpful for me as I've navigated uh, an area where prejudice abound. We live in a culture and a context where more and more uh, boxes are created around people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Absolutely. we've lost our identity <laughs> Absolutely. as image bearers of God. And then as Christians being in Christ, that that's our identity. It's yes. in Christ. And we've got to get back to some of the basics here of, of what humanity is, how God has created humanity and that, how that informs how we care. Absolutely. And as Christians, we're just uniquely suited to that. We know yes. the power of Christ's redemption. We know um, as well as anyone more than anybody that we need to be humble and admit where mm. we fall short and that we do not have the place we have in Christ because we've got it all together because we know how to walk the walk, oh, man. but because Christ redeemed us and we That's need right. to offer that redemption to everybody. That's right. That's good. Yeah. It, it is all Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All the time. It's like someone asked me, don't. So if you ask me my testimony, it's like, what did God, what did you do to get saved? I'm like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I was I had a cold, dead heart. It was Absolutely. Christ who moved in on me. It's still Christ who moves in on me. Yeah, every day. Uh, because of sin, I just want to walk away. But it's yeah. His grace and it just pursues me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Two more two more categories I like to pursue here. And this one's not on your notes that I handed out to okay. you. So you're going to think off, off the cuff here. So this has been in the works for several years. Yeah. And you've been thinking a lot about this. Yeah. And I'm asking this question because... I want to make it very personal. We're talking about a ministry, but you're the one who's heading this ministry in the state of Iowa. Yeah. What has God taught you in the last, I don't know, two, two and a half years as this ministry has unfolded uh, before your eyes and as as you've pressed into this calling to lead together for good, what has God taught you along the way? And the reason why I ask is, I I know this from my own life, is that when um, God pushes me into something he's usually teaching me along the way absolutely honestly he's taught me about his provision just his Mm. grace that if i show up and i'm ready to try my best and give the little bit i have the the 10 percent of of what needs to be done is it coming from me if i offer that 10 percent, that he's going to come in with that other 90 that he's going to provide not always in the way i think right um not always the way i want or in the timing that i want but that he has primed his church. He has prepped people's hearts. He has gotten people just as excited about Together for Good as he's gotten me excited about yeah. it. That he has provided the resources. That he has one church who's given above and beyond. They had scaled their budget way back because of COVID. Oh, but yeah. it turned out their people were really generous and overgave. And they had tons um, of resources that they were trying to figure out how best to use. And yeah. they they gave a major gift to Together for Good, even beyond what they had pledged due to that. Just small circumstances that I would never even think to pray for that he's provided. We knew we needed staff. We did not know that we were going to get a psychologist, a trained certified psychologist with 22 years of experience, most recently 11 years of those at the Youth Emergency Homeless Shelter. Oh, wow. We have the most qualified person in the world doing our trainings. I can't even believe that God gave us Sarah. Mm. So many of these things that he's provided and even showing up with humility each day, Lord, I don't know how this is going to get done. I don't know what your plans are, but I'm going to show up and trust you to provide. And he has just followed through time and time again. He's so faithful. Hmm. And I think I have just learned to trust and rely on God in new ways that I didn't even know that I needed to learn before this. Yeah. Isn't that so faith building? It is. 
I mean, definitely as one who's planted a church, you're constantly like, um, God, and then you, <laughs> you see, you kind of see along the way. It's like, no, I got it. You know, yes. it could be, it could be financial resources. could be, you know, you need someone else to do worship or, you know, you need another person to help care for, for the sheep, for the sheep. You know, God has always provided. Yeah. He provides, he's so faithful. It, it gives us a rest in our souls to know to trust him, but then it also teaches so much in the humility that I need to know that my way is not the best way, mm-hmm. that God has a plan and that I need to be in tune with that. I need to be in prayer. I need to be listening to him yeah. and see what is the most important thing and not get hung up on, um, you know, small details that maybe aren't important. Yeah, that's good. Cause that's, that sets the tone. I mean, for your own life, mm-hmm. um, for, for certainly, but also for Together for Good, that God will continue, if it's in his will, to provide for Together for Good here in the state of Iowa. Yeah. And uh, I just see that hand at work, the providential hand of God at work in this particular ministry as he has provided and as it continues to provide. Yeah, absolutely. I think even in his timing, uh, Greg and I are in the adoption process. Okay. Wow. Uh, we've been sometimes not so patiently, sometimes more patiently, <laughs> waiting yeah. through the process for about three years. Okay. And... um. You get these calls, you're not sure what's going to come of it. And we had a placement that fell through. We just, you know, Mm. you've learned through this and God has instructed my heart and refined me in such ways through that process that I wouldn't have chosen, but I would not be who I am. And I don't know that I would have been ready for what he had in this season of Together for Good if I hadn't been through that. And so, so many of these things and, you know, yeah, I provided Sarah just the right time. God's providence is all over this. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, we're going through the book of Esther right now yeah. as a local church. And uh, you j- God isn't mentioned in the book of Esther, but you see yeah. the providential hand of God, you know, page over page or chapter over chapter as you read that book. Absolutely. God is at work. God is doing something. He is doing a work of redemption. And that work of redemption is is tangibly having an effect on everyday life. Yeah. And you see that tangible effect in a ministry like Together for Good here in Central Iowa, here in yeah. the state of Iowa. So is there a vision for Together for Good um, beyond Central Iowa? I know we've talked about, you know, kind of Des Moines metro-ish. Um, I don't know how many technical counties that, that connect or associate with this metro, but is it looking to expand at all? Absolutely. Uh, Lord willing, we'll go where he sends us. Right now we're covering what we call Central Iowa. It's nine counties in Central Iowa. So okay. uh, we cover Polk County and everything that touches it. So we go up to Ames, up to Story City, down to Winterset, over to Newton. I don't really know what's Yeah, so you're us, telling me there are eight <laughs> counties that touch Polk County? <laughs> That's are. crazy. There are. Yes. Man, yeah. we're in Dallas County. It's a nice little square. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so we're covering Central Iowa right now, which is a blessing. We're... Yeah. Um, we're just, it's going to look different than in Minnesota. You know, we've got Twin Cities, we've got Rochester. They look vastly different. Iowa's going to look different too. We've got Des Moines, but Des Moines is not the Twin Cities. We are able to branch out and cover uh, a little bit wider swath. Honestly, the fastest growing part of our ministry is Ames. The churches in Ames are just rocking and rolling up there. Mm, They are amazing. That's where our first hosting is going to be. Okay. Uh, Coming up in a week, we are just immensely blessed by those Ames churches. Uh, the, The plan is to be statewide. Absolutely. Um, start hitting some different pockets like the Quad Cities and Cedar Rapids, yep. Waterloo, Cedar Falls. Yep. All of those Huge things need in, in the God's Waterloo, Cedar Falls area. Absolutely. In yeah. And God's timing as we uh, really feel like those church partnerships are lining up, as we feel that the Lord is providing the resources that we are able to go. We're going to get our firm foundation here in Central Iowa, make sure we mm. get our ducks in a row and yeah. work out the kinks and then hopefully um, expand at whatever pace God allows. Yeah. Amen. I'm excited for that. 
as yeah. one who's, like I said earlier, born in the state of Iowa. Yeah. Came back to this state. I, I left not knowing that I'd ever come back and came back and was telling my wife and my mother-in-law the other day, like, there's no other place I'd rather be. Yeah. And I just want to see, you know, I say that from a, from a sentimental perspective and just feeling like home, uh, but also just want to see God just move across this state. Absolutely. Um, not only with the good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but but for the church to get engaged in together for good and to see those who are most vulnerable cared for. Absolutely. And, you know, God's God's been gracious in that um, my wonderful husband has been doing so much work. And as he has helped launch together for good here, yeah. he is helping launch some um, drug treatment programs in some of the parts of the state that are hit the hardest by that. Yeah, like Davenport, I think. Daven- they're they're replicating a ministry that's in Davenport and other places, okay. or they're working yeah, yeah, they're yeah. working to do that uh, in places like Atumwa. Okay, yeah. Atumwa is, I think, the hardest hit um, spot of our state for that. Um, obviously, up Fort Dodge, we're going to have some different areas that he's working in uh, to do all of that. And so, a lot of that groundwork is even being laid as Together for Good might not be ready to be in Atumwa yet, mm. but when the time comes, I'm confident the church is going to be ready because of even that work. And so, it's just been. Um, a huge blessing to have Greg doing that work with the Church Ambassador Network. Even. Yeah, you guys are a great team. It's been awesome to We've see been you guys blessed. work. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You guys are at a great church too. Uh, so I'm I just so thankful um, for what God's doing. Now, I want to talk about the nuts and bolts of, of how churches engage. Absolutely. I, and I think, you know, if there's a church member listening, that's the that's like one of the top things. Okay, how do I do this? You know, and so let me just kind of paint it um, for, for those who are listening and for you, you have someone who's on the intake Yep. and then what? (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, we have referral partners, uh, adoption agencies, social workers in schools and hospitals, anybody that's going to interact with families and be able to see some of those early warning signs that something's going wrong, something's difficult Mm -hmm. and can say, Hey, you might want to consider calling together for good. Yeah. Um, people can also just reach out through our website and our phone, but the referral partners really help us make those pathways, really help us connect to families that might not be able to hear about us otherwise. So we reach out to them, they call, they get a hold of Sarah. Sarah will do the intake and just help determine what is the need, what's right. the specific need that we can help with. We may not be able to take on everything. There may be some needs. We're not trying to create a codependency either. What are ways that we can tangibly help that's going to really set this family forward? Is it watching a child for a month while mom goes to rehab? Mm -hmm. Is it watching the three littles while uh, mom's in the hospital having her fourth? What does this look like? Um, And so Sarah will determine that. We put that ask out to our volunteers, to our host families, our support families, whoever's needed. Okay. So let me stop you there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is a host family? Absolutely. So on the church side of things, it's important to note that all of our volunteers come from our church partners. If the gospel is centric to what we do, which it is, we need to make sure that our volunteers know the gospel and are coming from churches that are preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so we have a statement of faith. Our church partners sign off on that. And that's a big piece of what we do. We don't just want to fix that momentary crisis. We want these families plugged into a local church if they're willing. And so all of our volunteers come from there. We've got families that sign up for a range of opportunities. They can be a host family, which means they're willing to host children in their home on a temporary and voluntary basis. This isn't foster care. We're not taking anybody's kids. But if mom and dad say, will you help? Can you watch my kids? We have those host families that have been approved, had a home study. They're willing to have children in their actual home, all the way to support volunteers who can... um, 
babysit for an afternoon yeah. or provide a meal, provide diapers, provide a ride or be an advocate for mom or dad. They can actually partner with that mom or dad, meet for coffee, pray with them, talk about their goals and see how we can come alongside and help them meet those. And so that's our volunteer base. Right. And they will all get those emails asking, here's the opportunity. It's a two year old for two days or it's, you know, two kiddos for a week, whatever that is. And they can decide if they want to help. They can click the button, decide if they want to help with that opportunity or not. And then within the church, they're going to have that wraparound care Mm -hmm. to make sure that they are covered as well. And so that's why I have that ministry coordinator role I mentioned earlier. So in your case, I can email Erica and say, uh, Sean and his wife took a two-year-old on. And so Erica can send an email out and say, who wants to bring over a meal? Who can bring over a high chair, some diapers? whatever that might be, because we want our volunteers really cared for on the professional side by Sarah and I, but also on the church side to make sure that everybody's taken care of. So there's really a role for any level of interest. You don't have to host children in your home to be involved with together. Which is why one of the many reasons why I love this ministry is that it can be daunting. Like you want me to do what? Like, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) Can you buy a box of diapers or whatever? Um, Let me dial back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because I know these questions come up in the past and Mike's working with uh, Together for Good. Yeah. What is the process to become a host family? Absolutely. What does that look like? Yeah. So there, if you go to tfgood.org, which stands for Together for Good, mm-hmm. .org, there's a volunteer button at the top and you can click Iowa, fill out the interest form and just check the boxes of which pieces you're interested in. If you want to host, if you want to drive, if you want to whatever, all those options are on there. And then I reach out with an email that outlines the whole thing. To become a volunteer with us, you do a background check. If you want to host children in your home, you also do a child abuse prevention training video. Uh, we need three references, one of which has to be your pastor or a lay leader from your church to make I'd sure that you're happy at, to write those references for Redemption go. Church. Got to make sure that people are actually plugged into their local church. Yes. And um, then we do, we need copies of some documents, pet records, driver's license, that sort of thing. Um, And we do a training. Sarah leads, uh, we call our foundational training, volunteer training. It goes through anything you'd need to know about the logistics of hosting, the logistics of volunteering, but also trauma-informed care. Some helpful information about how to understand the families that we're helping, trying to break down some of those preconceived notions we have about families we might be serving. Try to help us understand people who live differently than us. And trying to help us understand how to come alongside kids from hard places. So we do trust-based relational intervention is the kind of the programming we use. And giving some helpful tips on how to de-escalate a temper or how to come alongside these kids and understand what looks to us like naughty might be needy. Hmm. Some of these kids might need a quiet voice, a pat on the back, a snack. We don't know. And so trying to help uh, everyone understand how to come alongside these kids a little bit better. So everyone goes through that training, has opportunities for countless questions. And then Sarah and I are always available to answer questions as well during hostings, whatever that looks like. Because we know that especially the first few times, this is going to be very different for some of these families to go through. And then there's a home study after that. There's a home study. If you're going to host kids in your home, then you do go through a one visit home study with Sarah um, or other case managers. They come in and just make sure, do you have a fire extinguisher? Do you have your, your smoke detectors hooked up? Do you have, um, electrical socket protectors for kiddos, that sort of thing. And just talking through, are there questions? Um, 
you know, just making sure if you have kids in your home and you want to host, Sarah gets an opportunity to make sure that the kids are okay with this. How do you feel about this? And ask some of those questions as well. So I hear what I hear and I just want to distill it for someone who might be, you know, the Holy Spirit might be saying, I think you're called to be a host family. <laughs> it is number one, go to uh, tfgood.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Top right, volunteer. Go to the Iowa one because Iowa is better than Minnesota, but <laughs> love the work they're doing in Minnesota. Great state of Iowa. It's the motherland. And then you fill out the form. That's step one. Yep. Step two is go to the training. Yep. And I'll, I, I emailed them with the entire rundown, the checklist, so that nobody okay. gets overwhelmed by all the steps. Yep. Um, it's it's very easy. It's not like going through foster care certification. It's not even like going through the adoption certification. I've been through that. Right. It's much much less intensive in that, but we're still making sure that everybody's safe and trained as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, they will attend the training eventually once we get their documents, their background check is done. Uh, they have to fill out an application, which is just on a Google form, yep. uh, just to Sarah, give us yeah. their... Uh, essential information, that sort of thing. Yeah, stuff you would expect if you're yes. going to host a family. Yes, absolutely. But I'm trying to make this as unintimidating as possible. Yes. Not even sure unintimidating is a word, but we'll let it stand. <laughs> and so after you fill out the information, do the training, there's the home study. Yep. And then are there any steps after that? Not really, no. Okay. Nope. So if you're like, it's a lot of work. I, I gave three steps. Yes, there's more in those three steps. But yes, if you're, if you're thinking about being a, home, a host family, you can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a family that I still have to figure out a prize for them, but they actually were moving at a faster pace than I was sending them the info they needed. They were onboarded short of the home study. They were completely onboarded in two days. Oh, wow. They attended the training before filling out the form online, which is totally available. If you go to our website uh, that we already referenced, there's uh, trainings on there. If you want to see what it's all about before you fill out any information, you can come to a training. They're free. Sarah does a great job. They came to the training. They were completely onboarded in two days. Okay, cool. And then had the home study the next week. So oh, wow. it is totally doable. That's awesome. That's good. So uh, imaginary situation. Uh, we got a host family at Redemption Hill Church. Uh, they're taking in two kids. Mom is needs space to look for a job, Yep. And create a resume, whatever else have you. Going to keep uh, two kids for seven to ten days. Yep. Leave it a little undefined. And then in that local church... What can we do to come around that wraparound effect you were talking about? Let's talk very specifically about the wraparound when we actually have a family in the church caring for children. Yeah, so you'll have a set of volunteers then that um, Erica has made up a list. You know, she'll have worked with people in the church. They can let Erica know that uh, we're not going to host kids in our home. We don't actually want to interact with those participant families, but we want to help these host families. And so they will get notification you know, Sean's, Sean's got a two-year-old in the house. And so yep. Erica can say, uh, here's a meal train. Everybody sign up to bring a meal over. They need diapers size three. Who can bring diapers over? Um, she'll be able to send out those notifications and see what people need, see what that, yep. you know, who has a pack and play that Sean can borrow, whatever that looks like for that specific hosting. Yeah. And I know it's, I've been a little bit repetitive on this particular point, but I'm really trying to emphasize what it looks like. So it's not lost in anyone's imagination that the church can do this, should do it, but yes. can do it. Yes. Um, it is much more manageable because it feels intimidating. It's like, I'm taking yes. in someone else's kid. Yes. He, what? You know, <laughs> I mean, I think about that. I'm like, what, what does that even look like? Yeah. And I'm just trying to show in multiple ways in this conversation that it can be done and it's not as uh, difficult or, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's not as difficult as you might, might imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a few pieces to it that if, We never want to disparage anyone doing foster care. If people want to do foster 
keep fostering and they want to go through the system, do it. We need yeah. Christians in that system. We got folks in our church who do um, foster care. They're doing amazing work. Yeah, we we need that. Yes. But there are families, maybe they're not in the right season of life to do foster care. Maybe they're not called to that because it is a challenge and you need to be sure that you want to do that. With this, you're going to get certain terms. So you're going to get an email. This is a two-year-old for two weeks. This is you know, a four-year-old for three days. They're going to be a little bit more set terms as opposed to a panicked phone call. Can you take this kid? We don't know for how long. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna that's just a little bit easier for people to take. And there's there's an I can help button. You click that you want help, or if it's a bad week, then you don't click the button. And it's a little bit um, easier in terms of that. But then there's also just that voluntary piece. These moms and dads want our help. They're asking for help. Mm-hmm. You're not the enemy. No one has taken their kids. They just want some help. And so it's a lot easier to take that on. This kid has not gone through the trauma of being removed from the home by officers. Um, Nobody is in that spot yet. And it's a lot easier. You're dealing with much less trauma in those situations than you might be with foster care or adoption. It's just a very different ball game. And so it can be a lot, but knowing that you're going to be trained, we're going to completely equip you. And we do have the reason we have professional staff on hand is for that exact reason. We never want our volunteers feeling like they're in over their heads. That's not helpful for anybody. So we are always available for that. That's good. What, What advice would you give someone that's on the fence? And I, and I and I say that because I, I think that's my experience in the church. You hear about an awesome ministry like Together for Good, and it's like, oh man, how do I, I really want to get involved? But I don't know. It's so much time, training. What would you say? Like you're on the fence, and you just like I'm gonna I'm gonna push you over. <laughs> Absolutely. In an appropriate way. In an appropriate way. Yeah, we want people to want to do this for sure. I think a big step would be if people are really unsure to come to training before they even fill out that volunteer interest form. It's just a few hours. It's an incredibly helpful thing. Honestly, I'm just happy that I've been through the training a few times. I don't have children yet, but if we're ever able to adopt, I'm glad I know this information now. And it helps put your mind at ease. You get to ask all of your questions. You get to see what this really looks like. And you get to meet our team and get to know us. It's just a very helpful aspect of that. I think another piece, go to our website. tfgood.org has a million videos. Our YouTube channel is up there. There are so many videos of moms and dads who've gotten help from Together for Good and they're thankful. And you get to see those and you get to understand maybe the situation they've come from. Some of those are testimonials where they share what they were going through, why they came to Together for Good. It's just a really helpful experience to put you in the mind of these moms and dads that need help and see these kiddos that need some positive time with a healthy family. They need maybe a break from their current circumstances. Mm -hmm. Helps you... um, you know, I know your heart is there, but it helps you really put into perspective, be able to visualize what these families are like. You'll be able to see them. Yeah, it's good. So let's let's kind of end with this. Um, what are some immediate needs at Together for Good? Yeah, our big thing right now is uh, getting these volunteers onboarded. We have a great number of host families that are already in training or ready to go. But we need to get a few more before we can really open up those floodgates to our referral partners. We haven't started accepting referrals yet that Mm -hmm. we're hoping to at the beginning of uh, February, end of January. But we need a few more host families on. We are covering such a broad region of those nine counties 
that everyone's a little more spread out. And so the yeah, more host right. families we can get, the better we're going to be able to serve families. We don't want to open those floodgates and have to say no to all right. these moms and dads yeah. calling in. The biggest thing is getting these volunteers in trained right now. Yeah, you want to appropriately grow a ministry. Absolutely. You, you don't want to take off more than you can chew as the prover- proverb goes. Exactly. So that was you know, some immediate needs. I think there were there was one email that came across, and I'm just going to mention it, is that there's some need for car seats. Yeah. I mean, that's a tangible thing that people can contribute to to help. Absolutely. And if people go to our social media or our website, there's also an Amazon wish list on there that's got the specific car okay. seats that are most flexible for multiple ages. That's good enough. Other things we need. We've got um, Agape Pregnancy Resource Center has generously given us free office space within their oh, um, resource center. We're yes. very blessed by I've that. I've seen that. I've done the tour. Yes. I mean, I, I love that ministry. It, they are amazing. It's a beautiful building. We're so blessed to be there. And we're right in that neighborhood. We're a block from Broadlands. It's really the area uh, of town we wanted to be accessible for our families. Yeah. And so that's a big piece of it. But we need to stock that office with toys for kids, snacks when these families are coming in, um, mm-hmm. books and resources for these families, car seats, pack and plays, all of those things. So there's an Amazon wish list on our social media and our website. And so that the car seats can be part of that. But yeah, with this new hosting coming up, we've got three kiddos that need car seats. Yeah. And so we need to have those on hand. It will stay property of Together for Good in that all host families will be able to use them. Um, so it's not, it's not like we're giving them all to this one family to keep, but yeah. that's how that'll. And I would encourage church leaders to consider if you're going to support together for good, make it really clear on your website as well. Yeah. That's something we're doing right now and creating a landing page for together for good where your church members are going to more naturally go to your website to yeah. look for information. Yes. That's just, that's just the way it is. And so you need to be clear about what are the immediate needs and how can people contribute to, to, toward those needs? Yeah. And so church leaders don't just say, hey, we're partnering with Together for Good and leave it Together for Good. Take action. Actually, you know, use, use the word partner. Yes. <laughs> partner is, is both are doing the work. Yes. And just make it really clear to your folks what the needs are, how they can help, and put it on your website. Absolutely. And, and part of being a church partner is that I come out whenever it, it makes sense for the church and I do an information meeting mm-hmm. because this is, it's... In one way, a simple concept, but there's so many questions that come alongside with wanting to host kids in your home or this whole process. There's a lot of questions that come. So I come and just answer those questions for the congregation, for anyone who's interested. I was really blessed this weekend to be at Zion Lutheran Church. And um, Pastor John is amazing. And they Mm -hmm. gave me a chance to share a little bit about Together for Good. And then Pastor John honestly taught about learning to do good. He taught Mm -hmm. about why they're partnering with Together for Good. That was an immense blessing to us. But I, I... can come to anything um, that makes sense for the church. Every church has their own rhythm, but that's a big piece. I'm not expecting pastors to communicate all of this to their people. I will gladly come in and do that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we've talked about immediate needs. I think last question, and then I'll kind of land the plane here. Uh, future needs, what are you anticipating? We talked a little bit about expansion. I think that's one question. Is there anything else in terms of, man, you know, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, this is what we're envisioning. Absolutely. You know, um, we're really letting the Lord lead on that. We, we're excited to see what God brings. We're excited to see what families we can serve. What are these referral partners going to be sending? Sarah's meeting currently and has been for a couple of months with these referral partners. She's got calls with all of the social workers at the hospitals trying to just anticipate what's going to come our way. We're probably going to look a little less critical care than the Twin Cities because Des Moines different than the Twin Cities. Uh, certainly. But May uh, in Rochester, it's a lot of Mayo Clinic medical right. um, 
respite care type of things we're probably going to be more intensive than that in ways it just everything's going to look different and so we're going to see as things come the big thing people can do if they're not in our region is on our website there's a place to subscribe to our emails they'll be kept up to date that way they'll know when we're in their area when we're going to expand um that's the big piece of it because we're always going to need volunteers we're not going to be able to open up in any new cities new regions until we have those volunteers yeah that's good any final thoughts before we kind of close out this podcast Mm, yeah just thank you so much for having me here today it's just an honor to be able to talk about together for good i think god is at work in this and i think that god can call us um a lot of different ways to serve families, but it's very clear in the Bible that we're to serve widows and orphans, that we're to come alongside families that need this and think about these families that um, have maybe never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus. They've never stepped foot in a church. We want them to have that opportunity first and foremost. Yeah. Not only, you know, hear the gospel to hear about Jesus, but to see the love of Christ Mm -hmm. on display. Absolutely. It's amazing. I've been in these situations before. Um, I've been partnered with enough ministries. I've been involved in those situations to to know what a kind word can do to a, a hard heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what a, being a father figure. I mean, I go to the YMCA here, and one of the things I take upon myself. I'm well aware that a lot of these high school kids that just pretty much control the gym. <laughs> uh, Many of them don't have fathers. Absolutely. Whether it's just absent, even though they're they're at home, they're just absent fathers, Mm -hmm. or they're just out of the house, right? Yeah. They're literally orphan or fatherless. And uh, many of these kids are are looking for father figures. Yeah. And so, you know, the challenge is like, I want to share the gospel, Mm -hmm. but I also kind of want to stand in the, you know, the best I can to be kind, to show the love of Christ. Yeah. To you know, a little at a time, let's just melt that hard heart yeah, and just look for those opportunities uh, to show care and love. Absolutely. You know, so whether it's, you know, that situation I just mentioned about the YMCA, but more to the point about together for good, those kids come in your home. Yeah. I mean, you don't know, like you mentioned earlier, you don't know what you're getting, but God in his providence has them there. Absolutely. And there are so many wonderful opportunities for you to engage and to care and, and to, be a part of seeing a life changed yes because that's the power of the gospel absolutely it is and so we the church have the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. ashley baker thank you so much thank you thanks for taking time thanks for being here here at the west des moines library yeah kind of a nice room it is yeah it's kind of nice to be in the (laughs) suburbs different than than my cornfields well everyone i'm gonna leave you with this uh we've referenced it it's appropriate to to end with this isaiah 117 learn to do good Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Peace out. Bye. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.